This is Doris Gilman, editor and publisher of Health Thought Leaders' one-to-one -one blog and podcasts. On the blog and through the podcast, you'll discover ideas and developments that you can make your own. The posts and podcasts are intended to be evergreen. No, the ideas and case studies on the blog have no expiration date. I'm president of Be Seen, Be Heard, Incorporated that helps health thought leaders express and find channels as speakers at industry and professional society conferences. This gives experts opportunities to share and exchange your ideas, capabilities, and solutions as part of your marketing, business development, and professional development. This podcast interview is titled, Employed Physician Groups Need a Shared Vision to Prosper. Listeners of this podcast who are in management, in virtually any kind of growth business, will find having a shared vision is a management tool and process. Articulating a shared vision brings members of an organization together on the same page. There's a trend towards physicians becoming employees of hospitals and health systems. The Physician Advocacy Institute reports a 63% increase in the number of employed physicians during the period 2012 to 2016. There is a report linked on the post, the updated Physician Practice Acquisition Study, detailing this trend. To discuss the importance of a shared vision to employed physician practices, I introduce you to Dr. Terrence McWilliams, who is Director and Chief Clinical Consultant to HSG Advisors, Louisville, Kentucky, who helps physician groups build high-performing physician networks. Dr. McWilliams was a family practice physician and served as Head of Medical Affairs and Chief Medical Officer at a Newport, Rhode Island hospital. A University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine graduate, he retired from the U.S. Navy after a career spanning more than 20 years as a family physician and clinical administrator in a variety of practice environments, leading multi-specialty clinical operations and physician hospital alignment. In 2015, Dr. McWilliams completed a Master of Science in Jurisprudence focused on hospital and health law from Seton University School of Law. Thank you, Dr. McWilliams, for discussing why physician groups in an employed model in a hospital or health system need to agree and work towards a shared vision. Well, thank you, uh, Doris, for inviting me to be part of the po podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak with you about this topic. With the mergers and acquisitions of physicians into ever larger groups, what common problems surface when physicians and healthcare professionals come together from disparate practices and cultures? Well, obviously there can be a, a number of um, business-related issues that arise, but probably um, all of the uh, issues tend to stem from the um, desire to effectively integrate the uh, new group into the existing group and incorporate it into the group infrastructure, but more importantly, the group's culture. You know, there, there are many uh, elements to be considered. EMR uh, utilization, for instance, consolidating business practices, including front and back end office issues. But probably the the, the key uh, for successful long term uh, incorporation of the of the practice tends to uh, be part technical but part adaptive. And the adaptive piece actually needs to start uh, during the initial acquisition discussions, uh, where you can proactively set expectations and then follow through uh, with those expectations during the 
uh, actual acquisition and onboarding process. In this way, you can you can establish some common expectations for the group, um, and and apply these same kinds of, of uh, processes uh, in recruitment and onboarding, even outside of the uh, acquisition process. Uh, how does the shared vision contribute to forming a common culture in a practice? Well, when when an organization develops a shared vision, it allows the uh, physician leadership and executive leadership to define a common course for the future of the group. And in doing so, you, you create an ideal future state um, that allows the organization to drive uh, forward toward and, and accomplish through specific strategic objective development. Um, and as you pursue these, these areas, you define uh, this ideal future state, which sets the foundation of what we aspire to be um, and the shared expectations uh, in order to get there and function in, in that ideal state. When you develop these shared expectations, um, you can then set the behavioral norms for all staff to follow, both mm -hmm. the um, support staff and the, and the direct care providers, which then forms the basis of, of the desired culture. When you then use the, the document that you develop, um, uh, uh, excuse me, you can then develop, use the document you develop. Um, to educate all staff about your desired future state, um, the global expectations, and uh, subsequently use that same document in the hiring and recruiting process to, to determine cultural fit. So it, it tends to form that foundational uh, character for the group that tends to drive uh, future expectations. The larger organization, which is the hospital health system, is part of the bigger picture. How do you marry a newly formed physician group to the hospital or health system's vision, mission, and values? And what adjustments are needed among physicians who ran their own independent practices? So for the, for the first um, half of that question, uh, the system's mission, vision, and values should be central to the discussions um, around uh, developing a shared vision and, um, and, and the group's culture. Uh, the group's shared vision should clearly reflect the system's mission, vision, and values and incorporate that within the group structure, but translate it to how that specifically applies to the group. So the, the foundational character of the mission, vision, and values for the system should be found in the group's um, vision for itself, but maybe tweaked a little bit uh, so that it's directly applicable to the group and maybe a little bit less um, globally applied. And in, uh, in adjusting uh, for the incorporation of, of um, physicians from independent practices. You know, in, in the independent state, although the, the physician group likely uh, had a loyalty to the system, it was not really beholding to it, not really part and parcel of it. Um, so the system's mission, vision, and values were, were more of an ethereal kind of out there thing that didn't really have direct applicability to them in their day-to-day -day, um, life. So in, in transitioning an acquired group into, uh, into the uh, organization's employed network, you're shifting from a fully autonomous um, level of function that, that the physicians and, and their staff had when they were in independent practice and their associated culture and trying to integrate them into the, the, the health system and specifically the medical group with its own level of function. Clearly. Uh, one of the adjustments is, is going from a fully autonomous state to a much, usually much less autonomous state, 
um, but not completely abdicating responsibilities and ownership of, of running the practice operations. The uh, attainment of that, that future state is best addressed uh, at the earliest possible time whenever the um, discussions of incorporating the new practice into the, into the organization even start, because the earlier these mutual expectations are set, the better it is for both parties. And uh, setting expectations of what's required for a formerly independent group when it becomes part of the, the health systems employed network really does predict um, a more successful and smoother transition than what uh, can often happen when uh, groups are uh, courted and, and indicated that, you know, we, you're a great practice, we hope nothing changes, um, and, and then you're set up for the um, ultimate conflict that comes later when it, it's not exactly, uh, or excuse me, when they can't exactly function in the same way they did when they were independent. Uh, and they have to be much more aligned um, with, with the system and with the employee network and its culture, uh, mission, vision, values. Well, and that takes us to the chart in the white paper, which is posted as part of the uh, blog post, that identifies an operational chaos phase. For physician groups that don't share a vision from the onset, which is what you just alluded to, what pitfalls await them if they fail to uh, take this step in adopting a shared vision? Yeah, so if I might expound a little bit what we mean by, by the operational chaos phase, um, in, through our experience when working with employed physician networks in particular, but, but all groups in general, um, there's tend to, we see, tend to see six phases that groups go through as they grow and mature, uh, starting with the novice phase when um, uh, organizations are just starting to employ uh, physicians. Um, and going through, often through a rapid growth phase, which usually happens through uh, serendipitous associations and without much uh, strategic planning involved. Um, and then you reach this phase of operation, operational chaos, which, is, uh, which tends to be characterized as the um, uh, employed network uh, outstrips its management infrastructure. Um, the operations become inefficient. Uh, the uh, parent organization starts get, getting worried about um, the lack of efficiencies and, and more importantly, the amount of investment that's required uh, with the group in, in operating in its current state. So often in, in, in that phase, especially after the rapid growth, uh, many organizations characterize their network as um, a collection of relatively independent or completely autonomous uh, collection of practices um, that do not function as, as a single entity. So how does the practice get over the hump that moves it into the strategic focus phase on the chart? So, you know, if you find yourself in that operational chaos phase, um, most organizations need to deal with, with getting their uh, adequate management infrastructure in place, um, getting their, their business operations under control, and then they can move into a more strategic area where they feel that they have these elements um, under control and can now focus on some higher level functioning. Um, I, I think it's very similar to Maslow's um, uh, hierarchy concept in which you, know, you have to have your, your fundamental needs met first, meaning uh, practices supported adequately with operations under control and people not being extremely worried about what's gonna happen on a day-to-day -day basis and where the next fire is going to burn out of control and be able to then focus 
on on uh, doing more with their physician leadership roles, uh, focusing on strategic issues and looking toward the future, and start working on um, you know more sophisticated clinical operations uh, development and those types of things that would um, allow you to start looking to the future as, uh, toward your ideal state. Uh, so as as you want to get uh, over the hump and start working on that, that's where shared vision comes in as a, as a key tool um, to say, okay, what do we need to do to be the best we can be and be exactly what we want to be? And then you can start laying out the format uh, to get there once the um, uh, chaotic function is, is under control. Uh, so as, as you want to get uh, over the hump and start working on that, that's where shared vision comes in as a, as a key tool um, to say, okay, what do we need to do to be the best we can be and be exactly what we want to be? And then you can start laying out the format uh, to get there once the um, uh, chaotic function is, is under control. How does a shared vision foster practice growth? So I guess there are two ways that you can look at growth. One is uh, a maturation process where you, where you grow into a mature and, and higher performing organization. And the second is just growing in, in size and volume. And I think the shared vision actually helps with both of those elements. Um, it, it allows the organization to prioritize areas of focus and develop specific action plans to, to attain that um, desired future state. And then if, if you employ the shared vision to drive your you know, specific action plans, um, you, you will um, have a kind of a rational flow uh, through the growth and maturation uh, process for the network. The other half of that, the allowing greater growth um, with, with volume or number, also is helped with the shared vision because it, it allows the um, organization to uh, function at that higher level, to anticipate where they'd like to grow strategically as opposed to serendipitously. Um, and as you, as you incorporate that, you can keep your management infrastructure uh, apace, growth apace with, with your um, expansion of practices or volume of providers, um, and, and the two can, can march hand in hand. Um, finally, uh, if if you implement and execute the, the shared vision in a day-to-day -day manner as opposed to develop and put it on the shelf, you can monitor your progress and know how, how well you're, you're uh, moving into the future desired state um, and modify and um, redevelop um, mechanisms to get there as, as you move along. Um, Again, if, if the shared vision is undertaken and not utilized, but just kind of put on a shelf like some of our old strategic plans used to be, then there's not much value uh, and not much value added. Uh, but if it's utilized as a, as a living, breathing document that becomes part of the fiber of the network and its, and its management and operational structure, then they can guide you along the path uh, to achieving your, your desired future state. Um, do you ever face reluctance on the part of group leaders or the hospital or health system itself to adopt and maintain a shared vision among employees? How do you overcome objections and what, I guess most importantly, what investments and commitments are required initially and over time? Right. So um, 
the, the first asset, do we ever uh, face reluctance? Uh, absolutely. Um, for organizations that are in, in the operational chaos phase to talk about sitting down and, and developing a shared vision, it, it's very difficult to get over the, um, the, the perception that how can I focus on something like that when we're not able to maintain what we're doing on a daily basis. Um, and it, you can actually, although it's more ideal to, to develop a shared vision once you've we've started to deal with some of the management infrastructure issues, um, you can actually utilize the shared vision to drive the change in management infrastructure, to call attention to the higher executive levels that, gee, you know, we're just not supported well enough. Um, because very often in the shared vision process, you go out and you, you interview pertinent stakeholders within the organization, and you get feedback on level of function on, on, on the organization over about 8 or 12, 12 uh, various leading indicators um, and can provide feedback that the, that the group at large can utilize to focus attention and try to move them out of that operational chaos phase. Sometimes organizations that are, that are so focused on their losses have difficulty also looking at invest, you know, quote, throwing more money at the problem. Um, but this is actually an investment well made because it allows you to strategically look at the organization and almost like the you know the smart bombs that the military have, you know, actually do a laser-focused um, attack on some of the areas that, that would have the largest return on investment, for instance. And then it becomes a um, almost a strategic investment as opposed to throwing money at something. Um, so, getting over the, the the difficulties of of both finance and and focus um, can can be a challenge. Often, though, the the uh, physicians and other direct care providers within the network welcome that opportunity because they feel um, that instability that, that, that uh, is part of the operational chaos phase. And they're actually looking forward to doing something about it, to have an active role in the process, to assume a more active role in, in the network's operations. And so it also becomes a, a way to, to uh, engage the, the um, physicians and, and other direct care providers in moving the organization forward. Um, we've worked with a number of, of uh, systems that felt that, you know, their, their providers really weren't, um, really wouldn't be focused on that and really wouldn't want to participate. Uh, but we, we found that when presented with the opportunity, uh, they readily accept it and heartily endorse it. So, uh, you know, there might be some initial reluctance thinking that it, it would not be successful, uh, but taking that initial step uh, produced great dividends for most of the organizations we work with. So I want to thank Dr. McWilliams for giving listeners a window into this key management topic for employed physician practices, as well as others who can adopt the mindset and methodology of adopting a shared vision among employees. This concludes Employed Physician Groups Need a Shared Vision to Prosper with Dr. Terrence McWilliams, Director and Chief Clinical Consultant to HSG Advisors, Louisville, Kentucky. Listen to the podcast, learn more by clicking on the white paper and the links at the bottom of the post. This is Doris Gilman, Editor of Health Thought Leaders One-to-One Blog and Podcasts. Leave your comments about this and other podcasts on the blog at seen-heard.com dot com backslash blog.
Thank you for listening.